Marian astrologer Deborah Silverman will be conducting a weekend workshop July 10th and 11th. Come learn how elemental astrology and energy medicine can make transformational shifts in your life. This workshop is geared to creative, positive, revolutionary change to your lifestyle. Gain creative understanding of your life purpose, relationships, and health issues. Walk away from this workshop with a personal astrological chart and the necessary tools and insights to enhance key areas of your life. Join Marie and Deborah for an engaging weekend, Saturday, July 10th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Sunday, July 11th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Redmond Town Center Marriott. This is a workshop you don't want to miss. Seating is limited. To register or for more information, visit Marie's website at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. If you are interested in learning more about Marie and what is on her calendar, there are a variety of ways to find out. Become Marie's friend on Facebook. You can post a comment to her wall and search her page for upcoming events. Sign up for Marie's free newsletter. Each month, she writes an in-depth article and responds to Dear Marie questions. Email Marie if you'd like your question to be answered in an upcoming edition. Schedule a private session with Marie if you'd like to talk with her one-on-one. It will be a healing experience that you will garner great insight from. For more information, visit Marie's website, www.energyintuitive.com, or call 425-825-5671. Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 16 years of professional healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My medical background combined with intuitive insights and skill in moving energy have been a catalyst for transformation in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. We are live here in Seattle, kind of a muggy, overcast day, um, although uh, our lovely audio engineer, Eric, got back a week ago from New York, and you said it was very hot there and sweltering. Yeah, actually, I just got back on Monday, and uh, yeah, I was back in New York, and it was super hot and super humid, and we never get temperatures no. or that feeling here, you know. No, we don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was actually very nice to come back to Seattle and have it be cool and refreshing. I know a lot of people are like, ah, enough with the rain, enough with the cool <laughs> weather. We want sunshine. We want warmth. Yeah. But, I'm wearing uh, boots today. Yeah. I had to put take off my sandals and put on boots and a jacket, but it's okay is what you're saying in comparison to the New York weather last week. <laughs> yeah, Okay. Exactly. All right. So yeah. I always bring up weather at the top of the show because I want everyone to kind of look around their own space, wherever you are listening around around the country, around the world, to the show, I'd love for you to kind of get in your present moment. What's your weather like? What's going on in the air around you, which will help you move your energy positively and take in whatever you learn from this show and allow it to be a catalyst in your life. And of course, we do have a guest today who happens to be in New York right now, but he's from Seattle. It all ties together. It all ties together. So we'll find out in a few moments um, exactly what the weather's like um, in New York right now. But Robert Taylor, who happened to be speaking at Bastyr University about a month and a half ago with one of my dear friends, Dr. Merritt, they were on a panel talking about spirituality and medicine at, you know, the famous Bastyr University here. And um, Dr. Merritt called me afterwards and said, oh my gosh, you have to check out Robert Taylor. He was wonderful. And of course I did. And we became Facebook friends. And then, of course, I invited him on the show and he agreed. So Robert Taylor is a nationally known leader who is openly gay, white South African Episcopal priest. 
um, who has navigated being part of the religious establishment while also being an outsider. Sent to the United States in 1980 by his mentor, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, to avoid imprisonment for his anti-apartheid activity, Robert Taylor has spent a lifetime integrating personal spirituality with the question of how each of us can leave a footprint of compassion in the world. Robert's leadership of one of the largest Episcopal congregations in the United States combined engaging spirituality with a focus on personal and public action. He has worked for more than 20 years to end homelessness in New York and Seattle and served as a mentor between government and activity groups to help them resolve seemingly intractable problems. Robert also hosts the Jai Tu Monks of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, on a two-week-long visit in the residential Seattle. Robert has been at the forefront of creating inter-spiritual dialogue and relationship building. He co-founded Faith Forward, a multi-faith interactive for people of many spiritual traditions, focusing on the environment and poverty issues. He also helped create Seeds of Compassion. I actually am very familiar with that, and many of my friends participate in that as well. A week-long event in Seattle in 2008, which drew over 150,000 attendants and resulted in the Seeds of Compassion Network to help foster increasing compassion in society. He recently appeared together in Seattle with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, and Desmond Tutu. So welcome, Robert, to the show. Well, thank you, Marie. It's just such a pleasure to be on your show. I love it, and I'm a great fan of your Aww. friend, uh, Sheila Meritz, as well. And uh, it was wonderful to speak at Bastyr University uh, a while ago with her. It was a, a lively, amazing uh, panel and an incredibly engaged audience. Wonderful. Well, you know, Bastyr students and the community, they're very interested in health and healing and spirituality. And um, I'm sure they loved having you there as well. And so you're in New York. What's the temperature like? Well, you know, I got here yesterday and it was just, the rain was coming down. It it felt as though I, you know, (laughs) it wasn't far from Seattle. And um, (laughs) today it was kind of a little sunny, but as I walked over to uh, the place where I'm using uh, the phone to uh, be on your show, it uh, it started raining again. So so who knows? Uh, I'm looking forward to being back in Seattle on Saturday, though. (laughs) Ah. Cooled off right after I left. It cooled off after Eric left, (laughs) just for your visit, which we're thrilled for. Because, you know, the rain is a little bit more comfortable than, of course a lot of heat. Um, and of course. S- and so you're there for meetings, you know, um, meetings to, to go along with you and your relationship with Desmond Tutu. I am. Uh, yeah. I am the uh, the incoming chair of the uh, Desmond Tutu Peace Foundation, which wow. um, works to foster his legacy. And uh, we work in collaboration with our colleagues in South Africa um, who are building a Desmond Tutu Peace Center around practices of reconciliation and transformative leadership. So um, it's an exciting project. It's a wonderful board of people from around the country. And um, uh, we meet quarterly in New York. And that meeting is, uh, we have, I have some meetings tonight. And then uh, we meet as a board all day tomorrow. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to hang out with us on the radio. Uh, really it's a appreciate joy to be it. with you. Wonderful. So you were born in South Africa, actually. Is that true? I was. Yeah. Uh, I was born in uh, Cape Town, South Africa, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a spectacularly, physically beautiful city. And uh, lived there until uh, I left South Africa as a political exile in uh, 1980. So uh, the first 22 years of my life were spent there. And uh, this, uh, this December, I will uh, mark my 30th anniversary of uh, arriving in the United States. So um, I've actually spent more of my life in the U.S. at this point, but uh, right. I think it's fair to say that uh, some of my experiences in South Africa really shaped uh, who I am as a person, uh, the work that I've done around reconciliation, um, uh, 
and my experiences of of healing. So right. um, and and what it means to to really honor the uh, the holy or the divine in uh, in one another as human beings. So beautifully well said. And from when did you know that you wanted to be a priest? I mean, when did that happen for you? You know, I think it was um, when I was 16. I was uh, in my second to last year in high school, and uh, actually my best friend and I both believed that uh, we wanted to be priests, and we both uh, were actually accepted onto that uh, ordination track in our last year of high school, which, mm. you know, as I look back, seems to me inconceivable that somebody would have <laughs> said to, a, you know, a, a graduating senior, yep, um, <laughs> you can be on this track. Wow. So uh, we went off to, uh, to college, and uh, he ultimately decided not to pursue that uh, route. Um, uh, but I did, and uh, went to college in South Africa and worked, and then uh, left South Africa as a political exile, um, both because of my anti-apartheid activity, but primarily because of my uh, refusal to serve in the uh, South African military, mm-hmm. which during the time of apartheid was really, the military was used to enforce uh, the will of a minority uh, on the majority of the country. And uh so uh, military service was compulsory for a two-year period for all uh, white males. Mm. Uh, and then and then you gave anywhere from three weeks to two months of each year after that. I think until about the age of 50, you could be called up every year for that length of time to wow. uh, help reinforce uh, the, the really devastating and horrific um, and dehumanizing policies of apartheid. And uh, I had actually... Uh, made a decision that I was going to go to jail. Uh, there was no conscientious objection at the time. And uh, Desmond Tutu, who I had gotten to know and had done some work with, um, said to me, absolutely not. There's uh, no purpose to be uh, served. And uh, he arranged for me to uh, to really flee South Africa and leave uh, pretty hurriedly. And uh, with the help of uh, a wonderful friend working in the U.S. Uh, consulate in Cape Town, we got uh, my academic transcripts and all sorts of other data uh, sent in a diplomatic pouch to the States. And and about uh, seven or eight days later, I was on a plane to New York. I'd never yeah. been out of Africa before. Yeah. Um, I arrived in New York City on December the 5th of 1980 and uh, was astounded that uh, such cold weather could exist anywhere. <laughs> and... Um, uh, found myself uh, welcomed into the home and family of people who I'd never met. And there I was as an exile and an immigrant uh, in a country that was uh, foreign to me and that has become my home. Right. And what brought you to Seattle? I um, came to Seattle uh, in 1999 uh, to be dean of St. Mark's Cathedral. Oh, wow. a work and a job that I just loved and relished and delighted in and resigned from that position uh, two years ago. And I'm now uh, writing. As you know, I have a book that's headed to publication. Uh, I'm blogging. I've got a uh, blogging site that's uh, uh, called wakeupforlife.com. And it really reflects a lot of the the speaking that I'm doing around the country, both in terms of lectures and workshops and other speaking engagements. uh, helping people to discover ways of becoming more fully alive uh, and uh, acknowledging and celebrating the uh, the holy that exists in each of us. So it's a it's a wonderful time in my life, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Right, right. And the and the book that you're um, writing, or it's on its way to publication, A New Way to Be Human, Seven Spiritual yeah. Pathways to Becoming Fully Alive. It sounds gorgeous. 
Sounds well, really beautiful. Thank you. And so how did you meet Desmond Tutu? We, uh, we met in uh, 1977. Mm-hmm. So I, that's, I guess, about 33 years ago. Uh, a, a college professor uh, served on the board of the South African Council of Churches with him. Uh, he was leading that organization at the time. And it had been a very tumultuous time in South Africa. Uh, in 1976, hundreds of school children were massacred in the streets of Soweto and other places around the country for peacefully protesting apartheid and, and demanding uh, an equitable education. And then the following year, in 77, I was in college, and um, the most important uh, black South African leader who had emerged since uh, Mandela was imprisoned uh, was named Stephen Biko. And Biko was detained by the government and murdered while murdered by them while in police custody. And the country was just, I mean, given what had happened the year before with the massacre of school kids around the country and ongoing action against uh black school children, uh, the country was just in a state of explosiveness when uh, when uh, Biko was murdered, and the government uh, issued a decree that made it illegal for any public gatherings of more than three people to take place. So, you know, if you were planning your family barbecue in a, in a you know, lovely state park like, um, I don't know, Discovery Park or something, and you, there were more than three of you, it would have been an illegal ga- gathering. So um, I put together a uh, an eight-day fast and uh, prayer time uh, at the college that I was at, Rhodes University in South Africa. And we had a group who fasted for eight days and prayed for the country and for an end to the violence and for a democratic path. And uh, we engaged in conversation as we supported each other through those eight days. And then one day during the fast, uh, we also organized a protest to circumvent this ban on public gatherings. And so we, uh, the custom of the university was that you would have to go to dinner on weeknights uh, uh, dressed in academic, you know, uh, regalia. So you wore an academic gown and the guys wore, you know, a, a jacket and tie. And uh, so we... we hit upon this idea of having people dress in their academic um, regalia and one person at a time uh, process from the gates of the university down the main street of the town to the doors of the uh, the cathedral and then back up on the other side carrying a black wreath. And um, that protest went on for days and was picked up um, in the South African media. Uh, and my my photograph was featured in, in many photographs in many papers around the country, which led to my being on the radar screen of the uh, secret police in South Africa, which was not a, a desirable thing uh, at that time in the country's history. And then we we decided uh, I had this crazy idea, and I said to the group as we as we uh, were meeting for meditation time one morning, I said, "What if we went to Biko's funeral?" And his funeral was being held in a town several hundred miles away in a football stadium. And so we rented a bus. And I think the important thing about that for me was that, you know, we were spiritually present through the fasting and the prayer. And it seemed to me that that to be spiritually present with a situation and in the reality of what was going on in the country and, and in someone's death also meant that we needed to be physically present, that it was important to be there. So we uh, we rented a bus, and we were probably among one or two hundred white South Africans uh, in a crowd of, I think there were 30 or 33,000 people for his funeral. 
And um, one of my professors was part of the group, and uh, I was just, uh, the funeral lasted all day. It was a very African-style funeral, a full-day event. And there was speaker after speaker from the organizations that Biko founded. And then this little man came out, and he started to implore the crowds not to uh, use violence. And he said, if we use violence, we'll become just like the people who killed Biko, and we will lose our humanity. And we need to find another way. Uh, there is a way of love. Uh, put down any thoughts of weapons. Um, there is another way to overcome this terrible thing called apartheid. And he kept saying to people, remember that God loves you, and remember that that you are sacred. And that man was Desmond Tutu. Mm. And he had the crowds eating out of the palm of his hand. And I remember on the way back talking about him, and my professor said, you've really, you and Tutu need to meet. And he said, I will arrange it. So several months later, uh, he and I met for the very first time in his offices in Johannesburg and began a relationship that has lasted for, for 33 years. That is wonderful. What an amazing story. And we're so grateful that you're here safely, you know, in well, the United yes, States. Me too. <laughs> and, and do you travel to South Africa now? Have you been back? Well, you know, after Mandela was uh, released from prison mm-hmm. in the early 90s, um, it was possible for all political exiles to uh, return without the threat of imprisonment. And oh, wonderful. So I've, I've gone back almost every year since then, and oh, uh, we'll be back there at the end of this year. And uh, I have a mother who's still alive and, of course, many friends and family. And, wonderful. And it's fascinating to see this once repressive police state uh, as a burgeoning democracy with the institutions of civil society being built and and uh, people of many races um, still on the journey to discovering uh, this truth that, that we're not we're not marked by what divides us but by what unites us oh that's I'm so happy to hear that and grateful that you get to visit often and see your homeland that's fantastic uh, one of the things that we do here on the show, too, is we listen to callers who call in, and I asked you before we went live if you would also give your opinion, your insight. Um, so we're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines and see what callers have to say. Great. All right. Go ahead, Eric. Who do we have? All right. Today uh, we're going to talk to Brandy calling from Auburn. Hi, Brandy. How are you? Fine. How are you? Great. Thank you. So what advice can we, or what is the situation in your life that's requiring some advice? Um, well, after listening to that enormous <laughs> story, it seems so small in comparison, but wow, what a story um, to hear about Robert Taylor. I'm sitting here wondering, like, wow, everything his eyes have seen. Anyway. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing. So, oh, It's good to hear your voice, Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. And um, thanks for uh, assisting in the seeds of compassion. I was lucky to attend, and um I can't even describe the experience and being in a huge arena, and it felt very powerful. So thank you. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little nervous. Uh, so I guess over the last year, I've been trying to explore what I should do with my life. Um, I completed a de- graduate degree a year ago and just feel kind of confused and stagnant. And um, concurrently, I've had um, ear problems over the last probably 15 months. And I've seen a slew of doctors, including a specialist, and still to no avail, I continue to have problems. And part of me wonders if they're similar, this, you know, stagnation, congestion, or if my body's trying to tell me something and I'm not listening. Um, I guess so. I'm just feeling stuck and a little congested or constipated. 
Did you want to um, go ahead and say something to her, Robert? Well, I just, um, what I'm hearing, Brandy, and, and just thank you for your comments, and, and it's wonderful to, to be able to chat with you. Um, I'm hearing this, this deep awareness that you have uh, between um, uh, the spirit and the body and the mind, and, um, and I'm hearing you uh, explore that. And, um, and so I suppose more than anything, I would encourage you to pay attention um, uh, to that and and maybe what it is that um, that your body is inviting you to pay some attention to uh, during this time. Uh, I know that um, that there are moments in my life when uh, uh, there are there are physical manifestations that that um, that are very painful or or difficult to deal with, uh, and that sometimes, not always, but uh, sometimes. Um, it is uh, perhaps the universe's way of reminding me that there is something else that I need to be paying attention to uh, as well, that that um, that the physical manifestation is not in isolation with with my spirit and, and my mind. Mm, that's so beautifully well said, Robert. That's beautiful. And, and I think, Brandy, you answered your question, at least part of your explanation, when you said that there's something you need to be listening to. And, you know, since you've already been to the doctor and you've had things checked out and this still isn't resolved, I think there's something that you're not listening to that you actually already know. What's your graduate degree in? Uh, well, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's applied behavioral science. Uh-huh, right. Um, yeah, and so... Right. Well, well. Here's my my take on it. You know, when I'm looking at you, first of all, you love people. You have one of the gifts that um, Robert has. Actually, you have the ability to see the beauty inside an individual, re- regardless of what they do or don't do or uh, what they have done historically. You have this ability. It's a gift, I believe. And so, I think working with people, at least from my perspective, would be really great for you. I just think that you need to take it outside of the box. And you know, when we look at someone like Robert, who's done that with his career and his life. You know, that you can create it to be any way you want it to look. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, connected to the way society accepts behavioral scientists or psychologists or priests or nurses like myself. Um, You get to make it any way you want to that allows you to flow your wisdom and your connection with creation into the world as you um, decide how you want to help other people. So that's what I think. Wow. Well, it's resonating deeply. I. I think that's exactly where I'm going is what are the expectations around how things, and I know you hate this word, should be done. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so living more into, I guess, my heart versus yeah. you know, some and invisible I think guidelines. Robert's a great example of that, Robert. You are. You know, you, you're still living your principles and doing what you want at the highest level possible in a way that feeds you in, in every way possible and allows you to continue to do the work of spreading compassion and helping us to open up yeah. our eyes. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> You know, um, Brandy, I would just add to that that, you know, I, I do a lot of work uh, in workshops with, with people on uh, how we learn to discover and trust our own voice and our imagination. And uh, I think sort of tied to that is, is being connected and in tune with our intuition. And because I think the three really sort of form a landscape together, voice and imagination and intuition. And I'm hearing in you um, a strong intuitive uh, uh, understanding and awareness. Um, and I, I use an image often with, with people who, 
who think in sort of more traditional religious terms of, you know, some of the language that's used about being made in the uh, quote-unquote image of God or a creator or of the holy. And, and I invite people to play with the fact that what if we replace image with, you know, no matter what you think of, of the creation stories that exist in many, many religious traditions, um, whether you take them literally or metaphorically, um, what if you replaced image with imagination um, and begin to think of yourself as being part of the imagination of the universe or of the holy or of the, the one who creates? Um, and there's work around that that, that can really sort of lead you or, or lead people into a really open and freeing space. And I, and I think the other part of it is is learning to, to listen and, and trust that that voice speaking inside you is is an authentic voice and is sometimes the voice of the universe or the holy. I was um, doing a workshop uh, a few months ago in Cleveland, Ohio, and and one of the people in the workshop uh, stood up at one of the, the break sessions, and she wanted the whole group to hear it. And she said, I've been practicing centering prayer for, for decades. And she said, until today... She said, I've always believed that I was listening for the voice of, of God or the Holy outside of myself. Mm. And she said, I've suddenly had this incredible awakening that that voice is also heard within my own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I say all of those, those you know, things to you about voice and, and imagination and intuition because I think they're part of, of where I was hearing Marie suggest that, um, that you might continue to explore things. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Brandy, for wow. calling in. That was Thank a you both. great question. It. Have a Thank wonderful you. day. Thank you. You also. Wonderful. That was great. Thank you, Robert. You're amazing. Fabulous. Uh, well, Thank you. So are you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We're going to go ahead and take a break here on the Remenu Cherry Show, and we will be right back with Robert Taylor. Marie and Dr. Sheila Dunn-Merritt's Healing from Within series can now be purchased on DVD. This four-part interactive series was filmed live at their weekend workshops. The DVDs include medical and energetic insight, as well as informative tools you can use for a lifetime. Chakra exercises and dietary guidelines are included. The first two DVDs on detoxification and heart health are available now through Marie's website, www.energyintuitive.com. Coming soon are the Brain Health and Hormonal System DVDs. Purchase your copy today and get started on your own healing process. Are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life? Marie offers a variety of CDs to help you do just that. Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. The Gary Mance Show, it's the home of mastery and mystery. Is America due for a major transformation? Astrologer Alicia Michelle is back at 7 p.m. to tell us how and why. Then at 8 o'clock, Marie Manucheri brings her extraordinary insights into our studio. And we'll take your calls. And in a special third-hour presentation, Becky Walsh lets it all hang out in her book, Intuitive Lovers. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Find out why on the Gary Mance Show, Sunday, June 13, starting at 7 p.m. 
Become a Reiki Master the weekend of September 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Redmond Town Center Marriott. This two-and-a-half-day transformative workshop is open to all levels of experience and will certify you in Reiki 1, 2, and 3. You will learn to move energy within the body by practicing on other workshop participants. Marie will be your instructor, guiding you with her own symbolic sight and providing knowledge of energy medicine. Take this opportunity to fulfill your dreams of becoming your very own certified Reiki master. You will receive attunements during deep meditation that will allow you to practice Reiki at the master level and information on the laws that govern professional practice in Washington State. Enrollment is limited. Please call 425-825-5671 or visit Marie's website, energyintuitive.com, for more details. Good news, Belgium. We're streamed worldwide at 1150kknw.com. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. Just uh, some updates here on June 16th. I'll be teaching a two-hour class at the Marriott Redmond Town Center. Change your beliefs, change your life, one of my favorite classes to teach. And then on July 10th and 11th, I'll be teaching a workshop with Deborah Silverman. She's an astrologer from Colorado. She'll be coming into Seattle. And the class is called The Wisdom of Elemental en- Energy. So you'll be able to have your own chart. She's going to do a chart for you. And we'll be discussing ways that you can make your life happier, more fulfilled, more enriched energetically and astrologically. And also just a kind of a lineup. We've got great guests coming up here. Of course, we have Robert Taylor today. Yay. And then we have Deborah Silverman on the 24th of June. We have Daphne Rose on the 1st of July, um, Jody Levon, um, the happy medium on July 15th, and Dr. Holloway on July 29th. And we'll talk more about those as we get closer and closer to those times. So welcome back, Robert. So it sounds like some of the sirens have calmed down in the background. Yes, yeah, I'm glad about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does make it interesting, though, for live radio. I, I actually enjoyed all the noise. I just imagined you <laughs> sitting on top of the building. You said you were in the Rockefeller building, actually. I am um, at Rockefeller Center, yeah. <laughs> yes, and so I was imagining that and, you know, the sirens going back and forth <clears throat> and just a normal day in a very, very large city, much larger than our city for sure. Um, and when we were off air, we talked about, I asked you what you wanted to talk about, and I said, well, you know, maybe we'll bring it up towards the end. But I think it's just appropriate right now. You talked about um, wanting to discuss the light within us. Do you want to talk yeah. more about that? Yeah, I was thinking actually about um, delight. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I it's just become one of my own uh, daily practices um, it's really a way of being mindfully aware for me during a period, uh, or began to be during a period in which uh, my daily life felt utterly consumed by work. And I think so many of us have been at that place. Um, and there wasn't a, a dramatic awakening for me, but one morning I was out on my you know, morning walk and I realized that I was listening to the sounds of birds chirping and that there was a real sense of delight in me. And I became aware that for weeks I'd been listening for the birds at sunrise each day. And on those morning walks, I was taking for granted the, uh, the promise of their sound. And so I began, instead of taking it for granted, to, to really begin to pay attention to the harmonies of the birds. Um, and I found myself uh, offering thanks for, for the gift that, that they give me every day. And I think what was happening for me was, was a pathway was opening of naming the moments of delight mm. that punctuated each day. 
And, you know, my own feelings of being overwhelmed by work challenges began to shift. Now, the core issues about um, work needed to be addressed, but my own way of approaching each day uh, had a really perceptible shift to it. And at the time, I was uh, involved in planning the event that you uh, referred to earlier, the Seeds of Compassion, which uh, drew over 150,000 people to a series of gatherings and programs in Seattle to learn and discuss what it means for uh, each of us to be compassionate. And I have a story from, from that event that, that, for me, speaks volumes about incorporating delight into the practices of of our daily grounding. I was, uh, during that event, uh, privileged to uh, host and lead a conversation between His Holiness, uh, the Dalai Lama, and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And there were about 400 people attending the the breakfast at which they'd hear these, you know, two iconic people talk about compassion with one another. And we knew that uh, the Dalai Lama would arrive a little late because of his uh, morning meditation time. So Tutu and I started the conversation, and then the Dalai Lama walked into the room earlier than expected. And he came up onto the stage and sat in the chair immediately to the right of Desmond Tutu. And so I... You know, I ask you to imagine uh, as you listen to this, I am. Know, these, these I, two chairs and two two yeah. one, and I'm sitting on the, the edge Lama of my chair right now in the studio. <laughs> there and and Tutu was making some pleasantries about you know how good it was to see this old friend of his because they've obviously known each other and done work together for decades. And then while he's you know being nice to the Dalai Lama, the Dalai Lama starts moving his left elbow towards Tutu and poking him in the ribs not once or twice, but repeatedly. And then Tutu looked at him and said, what are you doing? And His Holiness continued to poke Tutu in the ribs. And then he said something like, you've got fat, you put on weight. (laughs) And then they both just collapsed into peals of laughter. And it was like watching two impish school children. (laughs) And the, the breakfast guests weren't sure how to respond. You could feel them almost like holding a pause button. And then Tutu said to the Dalai Lama, you'd better behave yourself. Start acting like a holy man. <laughs> and, and with that, the audience realized that it was okay to laugh, and they joined in with the laughter. But, you know, with, with all of the, the serious and weighty matters that these two Nobel Peace Prize laureates deal with, that moment at breakfast um, was a window for me into our willingness to find something to delight in every single day. And no matter the weightiness of our workload or perhaps feeling helpless about something, our engagement with life itself is changed when we begin to cultivate delight. And it it could be something as simple as that experience of mine of realizing how much the sound of singing birds at sunrise meant to me. But we begin to think of ourselves and others differently when we, uh, when we begin to... Uh, to really mark and pay attention to and be aware of the delight. Oh, that's beautiful. What a what a wonderful story and a great reminder. I like the idea of, you know, taking notes of what delights you throughout the day. It's certainly what gets me through the day is the little things that, um, whether it's a hummingbird or beautiful green plants in my office, you know, being able to connect with them for just a moment and feel their mastery. Um, yeah, I, fi- I find it delightful. That's a wonderful reminder. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and go back to the phone lines. All right. Let's talk to Anne in Covington. Hi, Anne. How are you? 
I'm good, thanks. How are you? Great, thank you. What can we do for you? Hi. Um, I just really enjoyed listening to the show today, and um, I was calling to see if, if you could tune in to my son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Andrew. He's 18 months old. Um, we just came back from the doctor. They did x-rays um, on his foot and his legs, and it looks like the growth plates in his ankles and or in his ankle on his left leg and his um, knee on his left leg are mm, they're off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they did blood tests to see if something else is going on, like he's missing some nu- nutrients or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just wondering. Yeah, yeah. Robert, did you want to say anything? Um, uh, please go ahead. Okay, all right. Well, first of all, I, I know that you're scared and sad because uh-huh. I can feel it. It's really heavy, you know, um Reminds me of the days when my children were much, much younger. Is this your first child? No, my second. Your second, yes. So my heart goes out to you um, with, you know, the heaviness that you're feeling right now and the worry and the concern about what's going on. You know, one of the things that uh, I've learned and, and we're all learning is that we come to Earth for all kinds of reasons, you know, and that sometimes things that look like, um, you know, like, oh, my gosh, this is really not what we wanted to have in our life or not something that we uh, hoped to experience. Whenever those experiences show up in my life and what I um, hope to encourage with others is that there's blessings in everything. So you haven't got any diagnosis yet, right? They're not sure what's going on. So why don't we spend some time because feeding the body with energy is very, very helpful. Right. And so, and and I understand your pain and I don't mean to take it away at all. In in other words, I want you to be present with whatever you're feeling, but what I think needs to happen at this moment or at some moments throughout the day until you get to talk to your doctors again is all, all the things that you appreciate about your son and every moment that you've had with him, even the moments and up into the, his delivery, just really spending time appreciating him. Because if indeed there, you know, there is something to do with um, his bones, let's say, um, th- they could be here for very important reasons for his own growth and his own development. I think what's hard for parents and was challenging, and I'm, I'm sure is for me, is looking at my children as individuals. You know, that they've come here for their own unique growth here on this planet, you know, for reasons that I don't even know that are beyond anything I could possibly fathom. And so when things happen in our lives, if we can for a moment step into that, their mystery and their enormity of their soul and celebrate that for a moment, I think that can help change the tide of what's coming up is, is what I'm feeling. So okay. I, th- I think that's going to help you feel better. And then, of course, when you're with your baby, which is a lot right now, <laughs> just because of his age, there's going to be a different type of energy rather than, oh, my gosh, we're scared to pieces, you know, um, right now. Right. Okay. Robert, do you have uh, anything you want to add? No, I would just um, firstly agree with, with everything that you've said. And, um, and Anne, I, I certainly um, hear in, in your voice, um, obviously, your your deep love and your concern and 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 your fears for your son um, and um, I will certainly keep you in in my own thoughts um, uh, in the days ahead um, and uh, listening to and being aware of that energy um, in your son uh, may well become part of of um, of his um, of his healing Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah, beautiful. So, you know, you have a beautiful, gorgeous baby boy, and we're all sending him tons of love and healing to every cell in his body. 
Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for Annie for calling in. Thank you. And thanks, Robert. That was lovely. And so we have um, another caller on the line. We've got Dee in Seattle. Hi, Dee. How are you? I'm just fine. Thanks for taking my call, Marie. Robert, what an inspiration. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Dee. Good to hear you. Um, yes, I'm calling. I've, there's so much of what you said that I can apply to my life and so forth. But um, right now I feel that my energy wants to move. And I'm, I don't know if I'm going through a clearing. Lots of emotions and past issues are coming up. I'm trying to allow and trust and get back into the flow of things. But I don't feel quite like myself. I feel kind of off. And maybe that's a good thing, and maybe not. I'm not sure. Uh, Robert, please go ahead. I can hear your wisdom echoing from New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dee, I, um, as I hear you um, describe all of that, I get a strong sense that that you are, are also someone who is... Uh, deeply intuitive uh, and deeply aware of um, the energy fields and consciousness uh, in your own body and and being um, and so I suppose um, I suppose I would um, a say um, that's that's really important uh, in terms of of what it is that you're being invited to enter into uh, because I do believe that in those moments that, that they are often moments of some new birthing in us, um, uh, perhaps a stepping beyond uh, some some enclosure uh, that we're not even there, that and we're not even aware of it being an enclosure in our life that that keeps us perhaps from ourselves or or from another person. And so, those moments in my experience have often been invitations to open the enclosure uh, to walk to walk across a line, um, a line that we or or sometimes a line that others um, uh, have drawn around our life. Um, and perhaps some um, messages that that were embedded in us. As, as children a long, long time ago of people saying, you know, if only you were or you shouldn't think about that. And, and these moments are often um, invitations to walk beyond those lines and enclosures. So I would just offer that to you for your own, um, for your own awareness and, and meditative time. Wonderful. I think, and I, I can hear the audience, other people listening. You know, I, one of the things I love about callers calling in, because I think it takes a lot of courage to ask these personal questions yes. on the air. <laughs> and their, you know, their questions help so many other people that are listening. And so, Dee, I absolutely love your question. So, um, here's what I was thinking, Dee, is that I think you've been on the precipice of many things, many times in your life. Is that true? It is, yes. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, m- perhaps you don't always jump off the cliff. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, because I um, had a whole video in my head while I was listening to Robert. And so here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Of course, you don't have to do anything I say ever. Um, but I'm going to invite you while you're in this incredible opening where you're feeling that energy again, that push and that invitation, that excitement that feels even a little confusing and has you maybe slightly disoriented at moments, which is really healthy, actually, when people are shifting, is that I'd love for you to perhaps say a mantra. And the mantra would be, and you could repeat it, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to become more of my amazing self. And so that's what I would love for you to do so that you'll kind of get out of the way and surrender from whatever, you know, historically has stopped you from jumping off the cliff. 
um, because when you jump off the cliff, there are beans to catch you. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't hit the rock bottom. Uh, you don't go into a bottomless sea. You're actually held by creation. Um, so that's what I would suggest that you do. Well, I think that what you said is just perfect. And when Robert talked about um, enclosures and coming from your childhood and went to cry because you hit it on the head and breathe, we're right on. Um, I need to take a jump. Well, thank you so much for calling in, and we're so lucky to have Robert on the show with us today. Thank you very much, both of you. Thank you. So, Robert, in your book, um, this new book that's coming out, hopefully uh, the plan is in the beginning of the new year, which is a perfect time, right? Um, A New Way to Be Human, Seven Spiritual Pathways to Becoming Fully Alive. Is it true that you um, use, you you bring passages and information from multiple religious um, affilities? Is that true? You know, um, my uh, my own uh, grounding and tradition is that of uh, of Christianity, and uh, and I think probably a, a very generous um, uh, understanding of the person of Christ as a person of very inclusive uh, embrace, um, mm. and uh, and what that means in terms of. Um, how we live compassionate lives and seek justice, and uh, um, so that's certainly my own uh, grounding. And, and as you know, I am a priest in the Episcopal tradition, and, and that's uh, part of who I am. But you're, n- but you're also... not like any priest I've ever spoken to. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I need to introduce you to some. Um, <laughs> I would love that. That but, would be wonderful. But, uh, but I, uh, over the decades, I've, uh, you know, in working in the New York area and certainly in Seattle, um, have done a lot of interfaith work and uh, have been very, very aware of the way in which my own grounding has been deeply enriched and enhanced by um, by wisdom and insight and stories from many other traditions. And uh, so certainly the book uh, draws on on. Uh, some of that wisdom, uh, but the book is is also filled with uh, stories. Uh, certainly, uh, some pivotal stories from from my own life, um, and what those have led me to believe and see about the pathways, uh, the seven pathways uh, to becoming fully alive uh, that I believe exist for each of us. Um, so I think that whether someone has uh, a particular religious tradition uh, or puts themselves in the category of being uh, spiritual but not necessarily religious, mm-hmm. I think um, there's there's uh, some some significant substantive material in the book uh, and practical exercises and action steps for people to take in their in their daily living. I love homework. Yeah, I'm so excited. I, I'm really looking forward to this book coming out. Good, and good. The, and it even says here that um, Desmond Tutu called this book a must-have for anyone on a spiritual path in a time yes. when people are searching for values and meaning to one's life. Yeah, well, he has been very generous in uh, in his forward to the book, and I'm just honored and flattered that he's uh, that he's done that and that he's so enthused. Great. And so what, what's been your favorite part of writing your book? Um, that's a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. I think the, um, 
the the pulling together of of some of those uh, core stories from uh, from my own life that have really shaped and formed me. But but thinking about the ways in which those stories are, you know, while they're my stories, um, on many levels they're they're also the stories of each of us. That um, and so the stories, uh, you know when you ask about what's been the most interesting or exciting part is to think about the stories that that people can connect with and say, well, my experience may have been, you know, decidedly different, but yeah, I understand that. I really connect with that Mm -hmm. um, because of, you know, my experience of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that's been been a lot of fun. And then, of course, it's been fun to have people um, read and engage with the manuscript and take all of that wonderful, critical, uh, helpful feedback and and um, suggestions. So, so that's been uh, made it a very interactive process and wow. not a solitary one. Right, which is lovely. Are you already yeah. thinking about your second book? Because I'm in your brain, and uh, I'm actually seeing <laughs> one. So, are you thinking? Yes, yes, yes there is. Uh-huh. So, and do you have an idea what that's? Well, obviously, you must. <laughs> well, there there are actually two ideas oh, that, great. Uh, that are floating around, and um, so I'd love to be able to talk more with you about um, <laughs> which one of those two it is. Uh, maybe a few months down the road. <laughs> sure, I would love that. I would love that. Yeah, and you're just as excited about those projects, you know. Oh, completely. And, and, you know, I, you know, I, so I've, you know, I, I spend a lot of time on the road, uh, you know, doing as you do, teaching workshops and lectures to a variety of groups. And um, for me, that's also really engaging because um, I tell some of the uh, stories that are, that are in the book and, and a whole host of other stories. And, and in the process, um, there's this wonderful interaction with audiences and these aha moments when people hear a story and it, and it sparks some memory in them of something that they haven't thought about for a long time or something that was foundational in shaping them. And, and so, um, uh, rather like, you know, the caller who calls into your show is, is often giving voice to what maybe scores of or hundreds of other people are wanting to ask. So it is in those workshop settings or retreats that I lead. Um, and, and seeing people have those aha moments and some new insight and awareness about uh, being fully alive themselves is, is for me just incredibly life-giving. Ah, well, it, it, absolute blessing, an absolute blessing. And it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And so you're going to be coming back to Seattle, I'm assuming, soon. Is that uh, true? Saturday, yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Well, we welcome you home with open arms and um, successful meetings while you're in New York, getting everything that you need done. And of course, you know, great successes you're finishing up with this book and those other books that I'm seeing in your brain that I find <laughs> also <you. laughs> very exciting. Yeah, I look forward to reading all of them. And thank you so much for taking a busy time out of your day and coming on the show. Thank you so much for well, your advice. Thank you. And um, and I just love your show and uh, all the work that you're doing and and would invite folks to uh, visit my website at robertvtaylor.com um, if they wanted to follow up with any questions or, or learn some more. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Alrighty. Talk to you soon, I yes, hope. Yes, I would love that. Okay. Thank you, Robert. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. All right. So that was just a blast having um, Mr. Taylor on the air with us, uh, who's in New York doing business. And so we're just going to finish talking up 
a, a little bit here on the air before we finish our show. Um, and so, again, one of the fun things that we have happening is Deborah Silverman will be here on July 24th. She's an astrologer, and she's also a psychotherapist. So she has a lot of information about how to help hum- humans move through conflict and difficulty. Plus, she for- focuses on the four elements. We've had her on the show before. She's lovely. That's why the two of us decided to teach a workshop together. And then on... Um, July 1st, we're going to have Daphne Rose Kingman, and she is um, actually quite well-known. She's been on Oprah Radio and Oprah Television for about, I think, 25 different visits, Um, so she's written some amazing books. We're going to have her on the show. We're very excited to have her, and then after that, we're going to have Jody LaVon, who's also called The Happy Medium. Um, She is actually in Minnesota, but has friends here in Seattle, so Um, We get to chat and hang out with her. She's on a Twin Cities regular television show where she does readings live um, on the air. Um, So you can go to her website, The Happy Medium, anytime and find out about that. And then after that, one of I'm really excited for this guest at the end of July, Dr. Jillian Holloway, who is actually um, a dream therapist. So I read her book. It's fabulous. I'm so looking forward to having her on the show and having dreams analyzed in a completely different way. And then, of course, we just found out, it's not on the schedule yet, but in August we're going to have Dr. Christine Northrup on the show. So that's going to be really, really fun. And we're so happy you're back from the sweltering hot New York that's now pouring down, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everywhere I go. Everywhere. Go. Yeah. Sunshine starts to accumulate, which <laughs> oh, well, means this weekend good. we're going to get some sunshine. That's excellent because I've got more weeds in my backyard than I care to actually you Oh, know, discuss. I'm a champion weed farmer. Really? I've, <laughs> I've got quite the harvest that I need to go take care of. Weed uh, farmer? Yeah. I like no, that. I'm growing loads of them. So <laughs> anybody wants a cut rate price on some weeds. Okay. Well, you know, I actually at one point wish that weeds was were edible because yeah. I'm like, I could just sell them. Well, at some the end weeds of the are, are really? edible. Yeah, yeah. Like but, what? Uh, well, I think like dandelions well, for dandelions, incidents. That's true. I actually have a client who has a lizard. And I don't use pesticide on my mm-hmm. lawn, obviously, you know, because I have more weeds than necessary. Yeah. And she used to come to the house, go to the backyard, she had permission whenever, and cut dandelions, organic, you know, pesticide-free dandelions mm-hmm. for her lizard. Nice. So I was very honored by that. Um, but, um, yeah, I have a lot of weeds. Well, so. any goat will tell you that, <laughs> that all weeds are edible. But. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe that's what we need to do is, you know, find someone who has rent-a-goat. Rent-a-goat, yeah. Weed control, right? Because um, for those of us who don't like to use pesticide. Yeah. yeah. And so we're happy you're home from New York. Thank and, you. Um, a wonderful show. Wonderful. And next week, I won't have a guest. It'll be just me answering questions. And we'll be talking about karma. What the heck is karma? And what does it mean? And what are you going to do with it? And so I'm looking forward to um, answering all your questions, all the callers next week on Thursday. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. And again, thank you, Robert. We wish all of you a wonderful, wonderful week. Until next week, joyful blessings.
If you are interested in learning more about Marie and what is on her calendar, there are a variety of ways to find out. Become Marie's friend on Facebook. You can post a comment to her wall and search her page for upcoming events. Sign up for Marie's free newsletter. Each month, she writes an in-depth article and responds to Dear Marie questions. Email Marie if you'd like your question to be answered in an upcoming edition. Schedule a private session with Marie if you'd like to talk with her one-on-one. -on -one. It will be a healing experience that you will garner great insight from. For more information, visit Marie's website, www.energyintuitive.com, or call 425-825-5671.